Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 538. And joining me is my father, Stephen Schaumler. Dad, how are you? I'm doing great. Delighted to be here. I tell you, oh my goodness, never gets old. I think I said it before, <laughs> I'll probably say it again. I want to make it my ringtone of joy. I got to, so can I explain where that came from for a minute? Yeah, I love that backstory. The so, secret origin. You know, when, I, yeah, I love secret origin comic books as a kid, so now we get it. <laughs> um, well, you and I, we loved sports radio when I was a kid. We would listen to Colin Cowherd driving all over Timbuktu. And he had this thing every morning, ah, this is the herd. And I loved that. And I was like, I want my own version of that. I hate, like, you watch YouTube videos, everyone's like, what's up, everybody? My name is Zach Schaumler. This is strong. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want my own unique thing. And, everybody uh, says, what's up, everybody? That's yeah, so boring. Like, don't say that. If you have a YouTube channel or a podcast, don't say what's up, everybody. It's it's used. It's taken. Make your own thing. And I was like, one day I just started that one. I was like, this is that's that's it right there. Like, that's my unique thing. And it's stuck and it's fun. And then I added, like, good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. Because we're not live. It's a podcast. Who knows when and where someone listened to this. And I just I think it's fun. I really I'm proud of my intro. Dad, I got to tell you, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. And I did so, something. So, so last week we were you were in um, Las Vegas. Yep. And we'll come back to that. But then you left Vegas and you drove to Phoenix. Yeah, a surprisingly short drive, like four hours. Um, <laughs> and I, it's I mean I've been in Arizona now for like a week, I guess. Really green, like shockingly green. I can't believe. I know it's deserty, but there's beautiful mountains. I expected we've both driven through Eastern Washington, where it's flat and brown, and there's just not much going on. There's a lot of foliage here. There's the mountains are green. It's a different kind of green. It's it's a brownie desert green and the, it's shrubs and cactus. But like, I cannot believe how green Arizona is. I've been all over the state now camping and I went to the Grand Canyon. I went to Sedona, went to Flagstaff and all over Phoenix. I've been all over the state now. It's green everywhere. I cannot believe that about Phoenix and, and the Arizona state in general. Did you happen to drive through Payson or Strawberry or Pine Top? Uh, I, you know, I, I think I did, but I didn't stop. <laughs> there wasn't much. Right. There. Those are just little tiny towns I went to as a kid. We, uh, mm. I stayed the night, uh, in Winslow, Arizona, um, mm. which is in a song and, uh, old, an old song you probably don't know. And, uh, we stayed in a hotel that had trains running by it all night long. Uh, it was crazy. Um, but you're liking it. I am. And I did something today you would, you would enjoy hearing about. Uh, I met Chris Bianco. Uh, I shook his hand. And his forerunner is pretty cool. Well, you know, I, I've been to Bianco's Pizzeria twice now. He did. He was on episode one of the Netflix show Chef's Table Pizza. And the first time I went to Bianco's it was in downtown Phoenix, uh, near where the Super Bowl event was happening. And I saw him, but he was talking. I didn't want to bother him. Like, you know, I people sometimes come up to me and it's awesome. But like when you're in the middle of a conversation, I don't want to disrupt the flow. And you never want to like interrupt someone's life. So I saw him. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's actually Chris. Had my pizza and I left. Today, I went to the other location of Bianco's Pizzeria. The server was from Portland, which is pretty cool. We, we actually went, both went to David Dogs High School. It's pretty crazy. Um, Are you and, kidding me? Yeah, swear to God. And she, <laughs> she told me, A, not only is Chris like a great owner, he's around all the time, but I was leaving, and so was he. We were in the parking lot together. I'm like, dude, I, I loved your appearance I, on Chef's Table Pizza. Thank you for sharing. Like, I know a lot of people are hesitant to share their journey, but yours, your story really helped me. And so I get to shake his hand and his hair really does stand straight up. And he apparently is a great owner and his employees love him. And I don't know. I, I just, 
not only did I see him twice because I didn't want to interrupt him at lunch or whatever, but I even saw him in the parking lot one on one. I got to shake his hand and like he was very kind. It was very very cool to me. I was like, ah, what a what an awesome experience to meet a person you've seen on screen in real life, and they ended up being really kind and friendly. I absolutely love that, and um, I sent you the link and told you you had to watch Chef Staples Pizza. And, and if you're listening to this podcast and you are currently a content creator or you want to be a content creator and you have not watched Chef's Table's Pizza, watch it because it, it really deeply affected me. And that was that you can do your thing your way, the way you like. And if it's passionate and it's compelling and you keep doing your thing, eventually the world will show up. Um, you know, it, Chris Bianco, he had articles written that he had the greatest pizza in the world is found in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, there was uh, two different people from Italy. I like the second one from Italy a little better. He was less. The other guy still seemed sad and cranky, even when he allegedly got his life together. Um, then there was someone in Japan. And I felt like I just kept getting in the hit in the head with the two by four with the same message over and over again. Share your story, your content, your way, make stuff you like. And if you continue to do that and you're compelling and you don't quit, the world will come to you. It really spoke to me. That's why I texted it to you. And I, I love that. I loved all those episodes. Yeah, it was just pretty cool that. I, I was a server once, right? Our, our owner was never in a restaurant at all. And this guy, I've been to his restaurant twice at different times of the day, totally random. And he was there both times. He clearly like cares. He's there every day. He used to make the pizzas himself. He doesn't do that now. But uh, heartwarming to like meet him in real life and shake his hand. It's pretty cool to me. I was like, ah, oh, that's awesome. Okay. And I got to ask you, um, you got to go to Raiders Stadium. I want to hear about that. Dude, it's uh, – First of all, I, so I went to the Shrine Bowl and I walk in like, didn't go where else. But I mean, I I just I act like a fan. I don't like being on the sidelines. I felt kind of bad, kind of curmudgeon-y. But I, you know, I, you're given this all access pass if you're media, and I walk in the main entrance with like the fans because I, I like being like a normal person. I don't like being part of the media. But I I, I walk and I sit at the 50 yard line in, in Raider Stadium, Allegiant Stadium, looking around. It's beautiful, and I see like media people down on the sideline. I'm like, I don't feel like talking tonight. But then I realized there might be free food. <laughs> and so I, I stuck down into like the, I mean, I, I didn't sneak. I have my media pass, but I go walk down into like. But it didn't feel like you were sneaking? It did, it did because I, yeah. I don't, I just don't like being, I don't like the separation of like media and normal fan. It feels weird to me. I just try to be a normal person everywhere I go. And so like I'm, I'm in the stands talking to people that donate to Shriners and all kinds of fans. And I'm, I've got my nerdy notebook, but I'm just in the fan, in the stands like as a normal person. But I realized I'm kind of hungry. Like a hot dog's like twenty dollars. I'm like, I'm gonna go see if there's free food down by the field, and there was, and the food is incredible. The people were nice. I saw the Super Bowl trophies, the three of them that the Raiders have won. I believe only three. I saw only three trophies, so I assume the Raiders only ever won three Super Bowls. But I was like, you know, six inches from a Lombardi Trophy, which is pretty cool. And the stadium itself is, it's it's surprisingly intimate, actually. Like I. I got the sense. I mean, I'm sitting at the 50 yard line, like six rows back, but I'm like, there doesn't seem to be a bad seat in the house. Like it, it is weird how it's tall, but every seat feels actually close. And I can only imagine what it's like. Now I know it's never probably full of Raiders fans. Cause you know, when the Steelers come to town or the 49ers come to town, they like take over the stadium, but I can only imagine how fun that stadium is when it's full of like energy and screaming people. And I, I bet it's incredible. And it, also, it is beautiful at night, just like the from the outside. Even I got a picture of it, like all lit up and it's it's black on this black backdrop. But the lights are it's just a really I don't know. It's beautiful. It's cool. The amenities are great. And I got a weird thing for you. 
you know when you use like any kind of automated hand washing like you know you put your hand there and ask to send your hand to turn the water on and they always suck they're always absolutely atrocious everywhere like you you can't quite get the water to turn on and it never does right the raider stadium i don't know what technology they're using they're like 20 years in the future because i it's the easiest time i've ever had washing my hands at anywhere with automatic hand washing i know it's a stupid observation but i'm like why does it whatever the raiders have in allegiant stadium everyone on the planet should copy that because it's the only time i haven't had deep frustration trying to wash my hands without a knob you know what i mean i i just Weird, weird observation, but really, really impactful to me. I was like, this is great. <laughs> but it's pretty. So should we, should I put on my bucket list uh, to go back with you sometime for a game? I would love is it to worth go to... Is it, is, is it worth that? Yeah, I don't know. So y- yes, it is. I would love to go drink a little too much, eat like a king. Uh, but I, what I would want to do is, is find a strategic fan base that's either going there or has a weak fan base because I, I want to be in that stadium when it's really loud. Either it's Raiders fans going crazy, like they play, I don't know, who's who's a, a crappy fan base, doesn't travel very well. I don't name anybody. I don't want to throw one out there. Uh, I, 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 I'm too scared to name one, so I'm not going to. But I know if we go with like when the 49ers are playing in, in Vegas, for example, it's going to be 80% 49ers fans, and that'll be fun too. So I just want to make sure we're there at a time where – there's a group of people that are going to bring energy and it's going to be really fun, whether it's Raiders fans or a visiting team. I want to be in that stadium when it's loud and full of juice, because I can only imagine what that's like. It just was really, really cool to me. I was like, ah, this is awesome. All right. I got to say some things that give, uh, that came to my mind, uh, inspired by your, uh, what you shared. Okay. One is that you really are, uh, I'm not saying I understand it, but you really are that, that kind of humble guy that doesn't necessarily feel comfortable with the spotlight. Um, I remember we went to, we mentioned it last week, our trip to uh, uh, Cincinnati, the Bengals stadium. And, and you put out on your Instagram story uh, that, Hey, I'm here at the Bengals game. And like, you got nine different people in the stadium that saw that during the game and wanted to come meet you and take your picture, take a picture of you. And you were uncomfortable and embarrassed. And I was like, yeah, this is so much fun. And I took pictures with them and you were humble and kind, but that's still awkward for you. And that, that's a true thing. That really is how you roll. Well, I got to say, you know, I, um, I don't know. I, I'm actually pretty good at, I can talk to anybody. I'm very, I'm very social. Like I'm very good at doing that, but I, I also, I'm, I'm not, I don't want attention. Like I really, I know that's hilarious to say as I talk to a microphone on camera, but I, I never started making content cause I wanted attention or fame or any of that. I just, I just like talking about sports. I like sharing my heart. Um, and so there is a discomfort still with, I, I I would never ever want to be as famous as like Will Smith, where like the, I, he can't go to dinner, and I would I would absolutely hate that kind of fame. I it, my future for me, hopefully, is I'm in the woods in like overalls, hanging out with chickens. Like I just you know I'm gonna disappear someday, hopefully. And now, uh, I it's I, I don't know. So so that's the first thing. It's real for sure. you. And number yeah. two, everyone else that's that's a different perspective than you. I want to give them that. No one. I don't want anyone to feel like. Your way is the right way. Your way is your way. And I think you speak for a lot of people that can feel relief that that's cool. They can they can have thousands and thousands of followers and still be who they are. Me, on the other hand, I stinking love it. Um, when I'm at a restaurant or somewhere and the chef recognizes me, um, now I'm humble. I'm grateful. I don't take it for granted. I truly am grateful. But uh, we were at a restaurant that shall be na- unnamed uh, about a year ago in Hawaii. And uh, when they figured out who I was, remember all the dishes that kept coming out. And it was almost embarrassing. And it kind of blew your mind. Um, well, I got to say, so 
I have met on my road trip, for example, I've had lunch with like 11 different people. You know, I, I had uh, just I mean, and I, I really like meeting people, listen to the show, but I don't like I, I, it breaks my heart almost when you meet someone for like 20 seconds and you shake their hand and you leave and you're never going to know more about them. It's like it's almost like a weird misconnection for me. I, I really <laughs> love like having lunch with someone who likes this show because then I get to talk to them for like two hours and hear their story. What are they working on? I, I prefer the more intimate interaction that's a little bit longer than like the 30 seconds of because I've met people and it's cool. You shake their hand, you're by, but you're like. I'll I'll never see that person again. I don't I don't remember their name. I they got a photo with me and that's cool, but I, I actually prefer the longer interaction that's a little more deep and meaningful. I appreciate that, but because I like the you know, yesterday I had a meeting with somebody. I was yeah. in a, uh, at a restaurant near Clackamas Town Center in Portland, and I'm walking out of the restaurant. The guy at the bar says, "Excuse me, do I know you? I, I recognize you. Do I know you?" And I'm thinking, "Oh yeah, baby, okay." And and he looks at me, and goes, "Is your name Stephen?" I go, "Yes, it is." And it was for me. Now I don't have near the fan base you do yet. Um, but it still was, it's fun for me. I enjoy it. And I want people to hear that, that I, I don't have any arrogance in me. I don't think I'm better because of it, but I enjoy it in a different way than you. And I want people that what you said resonates with them to feel comfort and relief. And it's okay to be them. But the people like, Oh, I would love for someone to recognize me. Um, like I would have no problem being Will Smith. I'll take it. I will suffer having the millions to not have a, I'll just buy out the restaurant if I need private restaurant time. Well, can I say this, man? I uh, I don't want anyone to be afraid of talking to me. Like that that breaks my heart. If if someone sees me, I hope they say hi. Like because it doesn't doesn't bother me. I, and it's always easy for me to be nice. And I I love to like I one of my greatest joys in life is being kind to other people. It really like, really like makes me happy. Um, and I'll, I'll even tell you a story if I may. In Vegas, my one of my last days, I went to go work at Starbucks. I needed to like fill like three hours of time, and the barista. I believe Ethan, I forget his name. I'm so sorry. He like was like, I recognize you. Why do I recognize you? I was like, oh, I, I make videos sometimes. He goes, strong opinion sports. I was like, I was like, yeah. I was like, I was like, yeah, actually, yeah, that is me. He goes, dude, your oatmeal's on me today. And I was like, what? And I, I pulled my card. He goes, no, like you, I'm not letting you pay. Like I'm taking care of it today. <laughs> I was like, so I got my, I got like free oatmeal and, and water. Like I'm very, I don't eat, do much at Starbucks, but I got like a free oatmeal at Starbucks. So this guy recognized me and it was very kind. So if you're out there, barista man, uh, I appreciate you. It was very meaningful. It actually like really lifted my day given what was going on. So that was pretty cool. So um, I have an idea. Uh, okay. I'm not going to buy a domain right now, but I'm tempted okay. to. I'm tempted to. Um, and, and, you know, I have the gift of delayed intelligence. So my sure. ideas are better a day later and sure. when they marinate. But yeah. you're getting it right now. So who knows? But the, the, part of the secret origin of Strong Opinion Sports, a story I'm not emotionally available to tell today. I want to make that boundary very clear. But part of the secret origin of Strong Opinion Sports is kind of funny. And kind of funny is this thing, right, on YouTube? Yeah. And they yep. do big conferences or conventions or some darn thing where thousands of their people get together. And maybe like in next year in 2024, we could do some kind of event like that. You and me, that would be so much fun. And then we, we, I'm not saying we'd have thousands, maybe we'd have a hundred people show up or three or four, 500 people. Wouldn't that be just a whole bunch of fun? I think the way to do it would be to go to like the draft or something. And have like, you rent out a space and do your podcast live and like Ooh, have wow. people watching and take photos. I, that that's how I would do that. I'd go to like some kind of football event and be like in an adjacent area. So like if people want to go from that event to ours and say hi, that's that's how I would do that probably. And but then I'm going to organize to go. You can go or not, but then we'll go eat or drink something somewhere just for after because I I want that more contact. You're, you're all about same the as you. 
I want the snacks, but I also like to be able to – now, I don't necessarily want to visit with 500 people, two hours each person, but yeah. I don't mind a three, four-minute chat and a time to take photos. We've met some some famous people here in Portland that, that didn't even give 30 seconds when they should have. I'm not going to name the person, but – you and I were both there. It was real. And I would have never treated the people, the 20 people in this little room, specially invited. We were there eight hours. We were filming for a nationally broadcast show. And the, and the knucklehead shows up and didn't even give 30 seconds. I would have given 10 minutes if I had to go somewhere. I probably would have given a half hour if I had to go somewhere because it just feels right. But they didn't even 30 seconds. I never want to be that person. I never want to be that guy. Yeah, I, I just think uh... – you always got to be gracious and kind, you know, and, and, and I, I think when you are kind to other people, it really does make your life better. Like I, I enjoy my life better when I'm, I'm sharing an energy that's positive and kind. Do you want to talk Speaking about of, football? Should we? I do want to talk about football, but I just want to mention that, that <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe week after next in a couple weeks now, I've been gathering YouTube comments. Okay. Um, you know, I've been hoping for haters and I say snarky stuff and I've gotten some people like, I think your dad's kind of a nut, but we've had some great engagement on YouTube. Like there's one guy, um, I think he might even make me like Raiders fans. So in a couple of weeks, I'm going to gather those. We're going to tell some of their stories. Um, uh, this one young man, he shared the story of how he became a Cowboys fan. I'm saving this couple of weeks, but it moved my heart. It's like, Wow. Uh, so some really fun stuff. Uh, so yeah. So if you want to comment on YouTube, I love engaging uh, and, and I can be snarky and smiling at the same time because I'm happy. Uh, so in a couple of weeks, we'll have some of those comments, but it's fun. Okay. Football. Um, uh, the Arizona Cardinals head coach. Yeah. So the Cardinals announced that they are not going to hire a head coach until after the Super Bowl. There's also a layer we'll talk about regarding Kyler Murray there. But let's let's just generally react to that headline first, which is it makes me wonder if the Cardinals are planning on hiring someone who's you know coaching in the Super Bowl. I don't I don't know if that's true or not, but it does make you wonder like is are they courting someone who is coaching for Philadelphia or Kansas City? That that would explain that. But it might be a, a, actually an example of a deeper problem, which is that people don't want to coach Kyler Murray. So a heard. lot of people reported that a couple yeah. weeks, uh, earlier this week or late last week, after the last time we recorded, that they're having a hard time getting people because of Kyle. People are saying no to the job, uh, reports, unnamed people saying no to the job because of Kyler Murray. Well, we I've heard direct reporting that Sean Payton purposely avoided coaching Kyler Murray. And we talked, I think, last episode about how I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't know Kyler Murray. Like I really don't. I don't know him on a personal level, so I can't say whether he does or does not work hard. But there's an appearance that he's not hungry and driven and motivated, and it's it's clearly affecting the ability of people to want to work with Arizona and, and coach them. Um, and that's that's a problem. Like you've got this quarterback you're paying tons of money that people are nervous about even working with, and that that's like, oh, I don't know. And I you know I I hope they can find someone. You would think someone out there is hungry for their first head coaching job and says, screw it, I'll, I'll work with Kyler Murray. But it's a bit alarming that they haven't been able to at least attract a big name. So certainly, like, the most desirable coaches aren't going to go there. And that's that's not great if you're a Cardinals fan. Well, I, I think that stories appear for two reasons. They're interesting or they were placed. That's an interesting story or someone wanted it out there. And I think yeah. I, my personal guess, just my guess, um, you know, I may or may not have sources backing this up, uh, but my personal guess, that was a joke. Um, my personal guess is that it's a bad look for them to be one of the few teams that doesn't have it. And they didn't want to get crap 
all weekend long. When are you going to hire a coach? When are you going to hire a coach? And all of their people getting tormented by it. And so they had their team put out a leak the story, get the story leaked that we're going to hire after. So they have to say, hey, we're working on some special sweet people. We can't talk about it, but it's coming after the Super Bowl, which totally changes all those conversations. Trying to change the narrative. Change the narrative and the engagement mm-hmm. you get at the Super Bowl. When you're a play, when you when you have some position at the team and you're at the Super Bowl and you eat some of the same position another team, they're gonna ask you, when's your head coach? And they're now they can say, Hey, we we got stuff we can't talk about, but it's coming right after the Super Bowl. And then that then that conversation ends and you talk about other things. Where is the Kyler Murray skepticism angle coming from? Is that people is that Sean Payton's people? Is that the people that are interviewing people? Is it did the Arizona Cardinals themselves to maybe explain away why they're having a hard time hiring someone. God forbid, did they put the information out that, you know, Kyler Murray is deterring head coaches. Where do you think that came from? I think if it wasn't true, the Arizona Cardinals would be tempted to defend Kyler Murray. So either they leaked it or it's being leaked by people who interviewed and like, or, or, you know, got asked, do you want the job? I'm not taking that job. Yes. I got interviewed off the record. I'm not taking it. And then they've, so they've, they're off the record saying, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I interviewed, I didn't want, I'm not going to take it to Kyler. Um, but then the, it's interesting to me that the Cardinals didn't, didn't defend that and say, that's not true. That never happened. Yeah. When I just, it's worth noting that the way Kyler Murray handled his contract situation last off season, we're now seeing kind of the results of that now today. It, it's maybe taken a year delayed to really affect him negatively, but um it sounds like he could have been coached by Sean Payton and maybe his lack of maturity or lack of whatever you want to call it last off season, his, his weird press release. And then, you know, basically demanding a, a contract. It was all weird to me. I didn't like how he handled any of that last off season and now it's affecting him negatively. And uh, I, I just, it's interesting to me how it's taken a year, but you got to be really careful how you handle a contract negotiation it makes me think of Lamar Jackson the Ravens quarterback who it's been reported that his number might be literally a hundred million dollars apart from what the Ravens are offering him and I'm like man I, I I I would rather work with Lamar than Kyler like Lamar doesn't give me anything other than he's driven and works hard he might want more money than I would pay him but at least I'd rather coach I know he's going to work his tail off and Kyler doesn't give even that so it's I don't know it's really interesting to see the direct result of how he handled the contract negotiations last year. That is Kyler Murray. I mean, so I don't think, I think it's more recent. I think it's his gameplay over this past year. I think that's the problem. He didn't play that well. And then this is people joke about this, but it's a fact. It's, it's a, it's a fact. It's a rabbit hole. You can go down, but on they have, I'm speaking of things that I'm kind of clueless about, which is not uncommon, but they have some special wild thing, Call of Duty weekends or something. And sure. on the big Call of Duty weekends, he what was it called? Call of Duty I what? think bonus XP. It's like you get experience points in the game, so you like get more. Ben, you, you like get more benefit from playing on the weekend. Points. Yeah, whatever. So I don't play Call of Duty, but but, I, but on those XP on those weekend. weekends, he played badly. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and the fact that you can track that and it's it's statistically verified. If you overlay like the time, his numbers, and then exactly Call of Duty XP weekends, it's it's insane. Like they match up identically, and it's it's. I don't know how you. I don't. Know how you don't read something from that information. It after a certain point, you're like, this isn't a coincidence anymore. Um, I I don't know, man. I. If I, just, I was the yeah, go ahead. If I was the Ravens, I would kick Lamar Jackson to the curb. Mm. that's a, there's a strong opinion for you uh, because it's because the way I just, 
I just have a hard time believing he's really – I want players to make a lot of money. And I, I am not comfortable when college college coaches kind of manipulate kids with, you got to be here for the team. So you're going to do meaningless things that destroy your career and don't help you because it's for the team. And I really reject that. It's, no, I think coaches should do what's best to help the kids and the team. And I think coaches only help the team. Can I say uh, on the side right here, that's yeah. actually something Nick Saban does really, really well. Nick Saban wins a bunch, but he puts his players first. For example, when Jalen Hurts was transferring out of Alabama, he was looking at like going to Maryland. And Nick Saban was like, why would you go there? Well, you should go somewhere where they're going to put you, good players around you and help you prepare to be an NFL quarterback. And Nick Saban was like, you should go to Oklahoma. And it's interesting to me that you've seen many, many times Nick Saban, yeah, he wants to win national championships, but he also really does try to do the very best thing he can for his players. And it's that's a cool approach that you rarely see. I just want to give a shout out to Nick Saban there. Yeah, I, I, and I've been in the room uh, when I've seen college coaches do things not the best interest of the player. So I want to make it really clear: I'm not a rah-rah, do your stuff for the team guy. I'm just not that person. And we love and, when people make generational wealth. It's incredible. We love seeing I, people get paid. Yeah, it loves seeing people paid. And also, you, you are responsible for you. No one's going to live your life but you. No one's going to pay your bills but you. And you should not sacrifice your future for a, a team. That's just ridiculous. And fans that like, oh, they should do it for the team. It's like, no, 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 no. Are you going to pay their bills? No, you're not. And so I'm really, really, really not in favor of a team guy. But at the same time, I do want some commitment to the team. And I don't think Lamar Jackson is committed to the team enough for me, even though I want him to be for himself. And I get why he didn't play the final game. You got a quarter million, potential quarter billion dollars on the line. I wouldn't play the last. I don't fault him for not playing the last game. But but the other games, I just feel like he's not really, I don't know. I just don't get the vibe from him that he's really there. And there was some grumbling from some of the players that make, it's not like his players were like, we love him and we get it. So I don't know if he has complete buying from the players either. So I would, I would kick him to the curb and get someone else and get trades. Well, one problem to me is that he went into the year knowing he didn't have a contract. When you do that, you're taking the risk to say, I'm going to go balls to the wall, play the very best I can and earn a new contract. He didn't play well enough to earn, I think, more. I don't think he played well enough to earn more money this year. And he also didn't, like, like I said, going into week one without a contract for next year, you know I'm taking a risk. And if you're going to take the risk, take the risk. Don't kind of half take the risk, but then half the year you're like, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm afraid of getting hurt. Like you either, you go it, you do it full send or you don't, if that makes sense. And I, I, I the wishy-washiness of his injury and recovery. It's like, do you, why, why did you play this year without a contract? They offered you money. You didn't take it. That's on you. But I, I just, I don't know. I, what's interesting to me, I don't want to say delusional is the word, but what we're hearing is that Lamar Jackson wants Deshaun Watson money. One dollar more and guaranteed is I've seen multiple yeah, reports a, a while ago. And Deshaun Watson's contract with the Browns is absolutely horrible. It's not that that is not an example of a well-run franchise doing something smart and well thought out. That's a franchise spending way too much money on a player that's questionable for many reasons on and off the field. And you're like, God, you, dude, I'm sorry. Deshaun Watson isn't the blueprint. You get it out of your mind now that you're going to find any NFL team other than Cleveland is going to pay you that money. It's not going to happen. It's totally well, maybe unrealistic get to him as a backup. That. Maybe Cleveland get as a backup and pay him more. Then, then they get up two <laughs> players on the team. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I can't name the franchise out there that's going to pay Lamar Jackson the same amount of money that Deshaun Watson got. It's not going to happen. 
Um, no. And I don't know why $100 million guaranteed is an insane amount of money. I don't I don't quite understand the the you know what I mean like you get to a point where you're like dude you're set for life your family's set for life for generations after generations you know help me out because I I think you'll actually push back and say there's nothing wrong with getting even more but there is there is a number whether it's 150 200 175 I don't know where there's a diminishing return on how much you're getting from the contract if that makes sense yeah and I think that a dynamic he's missing that the few times in life where I had problems that I feel like were um, self-inflicted wounds that I created problems for myself. I had problems, I've had struggles, I've had you know challenges, but sometimes I go, oh, that was me, is when I forget the relational component. Mm. And I'm not sure that he, I'm not convinced that Coach Harbaugh wants him back, and I'm not sure he maintained that relationship. I think he saw Harbaugh as a bad guy or the enemy or the man trying to hold him down or keep for money or something. Because in the last few press conferences Harbaugh did at the end of the year, I'm not convinced to me, he wasn't leaking energy of a coach who was for the kid and wanting the kid back. And I he wonder seemed if he tired of nurture- Lamar. Seemed, I think he is. And I'm not sure that Lamar realized that's a relationship I got to nurture because that guy is gold. Even if you're disagreeing, you can. there's some people you can disagree with and still maintain the relationship. But I think Harbaugh, Coach Harbaugh is one of those people. Yeah, I, I think Harbaugh was worn out and tired of dealing with Lamar and the whole contract situation. I don't know if that's the media or that's because getting asked that question all year has got to be irritating, but could it also be the personal relationship with Lamar Jackson has been worn down? And I think you're right. You can say you, you can be Lamar Jackson asking for more money, making it clear you want more money while also never saying anything bad about your head coach who is objectively just like an awesome guy, won a Super Bowl and, I don't know how you hate John Harbaugh. You may not love the guy, but I don't know how you have anything bad to say about John Harbaugh. He's done nothing but be a class act for years and years, and his players love him. And you're right. There was multiple comments at at the end of the year from Ravens players disgruntled with Lamar Jackson. That's a really telling thing because that doesn't happen very often with your franchise quarterback, that you've got teammates kind of bad-mouthing the guy. Like, uh, that's a rare thing. Yep, I agree. Okay, so another story that I think was uh, planted for a reason, but I'd love to hear what you say. Eric Bieniemy, he's the Chiefs' offensive coordinator, and and reports say he's going to the Commanders or the Ravens, not to be their head coach, not to be a step up move, but a lateral move to be their offensive coordinator. Your thoughts before I share mine? Yeah, I, oh, man, you know. So I understand the thought. Let, let's say if Eric Bieniemy is considering that, I understand the thought process for this reason. Who gets all the credit for what happens in Kansas City? Andy Reid. And, and often forgotten is Eric Bieniemy. And if Eric Bieniemy wants to become a head coach, I think he might feel like he needs to go somewhere else where he's given more credit for what's going on and, and not maybe because I, I think that part of what happens is it sounds like Eric Bieniemy hasn't interviewed great when he's done interviews that's the kind of the rumor behind the scenes when you talk to nfl personnel and and i have but the other thing is that you know there's a question of why why is kansas city succeeding at such a high level on offense is it because of andy reed patrick mahomes or eric Bieniemy? and reed and mahomes the head coach and the quarterback get all the you know brownie points we'll say and people are kind of skeptical of how much of the success behind the scenes comes from Eric Bieniemy's genius. And I don't really blame him for saying, hey, if I go to Washington and kill it, or if I go to, what, where was the other team you, you just mentioned? I, I'm blanking uh, on the, the name Ravens. right now. The Ravens. the Ravens. 
if I go to the, to Baltimore and do really, really well, then it's clear I'm I'm a really talented play caller and offensive design you know, designer of an offense. So I think I understand that. Here's the problem, though. I don't know how – I just don't know how that's an upgrade. Like, I think quality of life really matters, and winning and succeeding and killing it and being, you know, at the very top of one of the most fun places to uh, – seems like coach in the NFL, which is Kansas City. Like, I would love to work in that building. I don't know how you're upgrading. You're taking a massive risk. And here's another component of all this. Andy Reid's not going to last forever. At some point, Andy Reid's going to move on, and someone's going to have to step in and continue working with Patrick Mahomes. Why not just be that guy? Why not just learn and learn and learn? And whenever Andy Reid steps off into the magical cheeseburger land that he'll, he'll retire into, be the next head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs and work with Patrick Mahomes even longer. Um, I, I, I understand if Eric Bianby wants to be head coach sooner, but I don't know exactly what the rush is. And I don't know what the quality of life will look like somewhere else as compared to Kansas City. What say you? Uh, I say that that story is all hogwash. I think really? it's nonsense. Oh, it's nonsense. It's nonsense. Why? 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 If you want to make your mark as an offensive coordinator, uh, who's who's the kid um, that's going to be in the commanders? They said, this is our starting player. Uh, Howell? Sam um, Howell. Sam Howell. Fine. Great kid. He is not going to do as well offensively as Patrick Mahomes. And so it'd be very easy to have the narrative, well, we thought the enemy was magic, but he didn't even do very much with Howell. I think it'd be very easy for their narrative to swing against him. Well, because also people, the general consensus isn't always rational, right? Like you're going to take a step down if you go from Patrick Mahomes to Sam Howell. But then the risk in all that is suddenly the view is that you're a bad coach. Oh, you never really were the reason why Kansas City was succeeding. And, you know, like, I don't think that's fair because you're going to take, you're going to downgrade from maybe the best quarterback in the NFL to Sam Howell. (laughs) But, uh, I think unfairly it could really snap back and hurt him. And who are the and, and the Ravens are either gonna gonna keep Lamar Jackson or have to get someone new. Um, I just think I think it, it just makes no sense to me. And if if this does happen, I will be very curious to see how it affects his career. Because I agree with you. I've heard you know it seems like that at least the the fans, the press, the nonsense I hear. You know, the enemy gets no credit. But I have a hard time believing that smart people in front offices and NFLs don't realize that the enemy has something to do with that offense. How much does it matter just that this idea of you got a good thing going in Kansas City? Like, I, I, I don't, it's hard because you don't want to stop. Um, you want to always pursue a better life. Like you always, there's something wrong with, I, I always get worried. I'm complacent, for example, right? Like at what point am I just like kind of stuck and plateaued and I'm happy and I'm content. And you'd always want to guard against complacency and not working for more. But should Eric Bieniemy be striving to be a head coach right now? I I don't know. That's for him to know. But from the outside, it's like, dude, you're killing it. Like you're at another Super Bowl. You're working with this insane quarterback who's got to be fun to coach. I can't imagine it's not a blast and a joy to work with Patrick Mahomes. And on top of that, you're coaching under Andy Reid, who's like again maybe one of the best people to work for ever in the NFL. I would way rather work under Andy Reid than Bill Belichick, even though I've got a ton of respect for Bill Belichick and I've watched him coach up close now. Andy Reid seems like uh, the best thing ever. So I just think he's got a, uh, from the outside looking in, Eric Bieniemy has got a really high quality of life. And I would worry about screwing that up too, on top of everything else. 
You know, I just got a, uh, I've got a hot update for you. Just got a text on my phone. People are listening to us live right now. And a source has texted me that here's what's happened with the enemy. He's going to go to work for the Arizona Cardinals, their head coach. So that makes sense to me. Yeah, that I would be like that up. I mean, that I, I hear up. you. But that's no, I, the, that I, would be a ludicrous thing. I, I know, but that that would explain a lot to me. I, I've often wondered how how would be enemy and Kyler Murray pair together. I think that'd be interesting. And he um, might enjoy the fun challenge, and they'd have to pay him a bunch of money, and that's generational money. And if he get a four or five year contract with the guaranteed with a bunch of money, um, hey, why not? It's your family set, like you said. Eric Bieniemy making thirty million dollars for a five year deal in Arizona is sweet for him. And you know yep. what? Here's the thing. If he gets fired in three years, I am sure Kansas City would take him right back. You know, <laughs> like, and I, I just, I love the idea of being the guy after Andy Reid. Because at some point, Andy Reid's going to move on. And Patrick Mahomes is going to last. I think Patrick Mahomes' career is going to last a lot longer than Andy Reid. So who's the next coach to work with Patrick Mahomes? Why can't that be Eric Bieniemy? I just think that's a, I've, I've got somebody I'd love to talk about. We We moved on from the Ravens, but I want to bounce back because, Let's say you get rid of Lamar Jackson. Let, let's say you trade him or don't re-sign him, which seems reasonable to me. Again, when when he's asking for an absurd amount of money and you're like, it's just not feasible what you're asking for, you reach an impasse and you move on. When, when two people are headed in different directions and you can't come to any kind of agreement, you go your separate ways. Uh, and I think Derek Carr with the Ravens is fun and interesting. I think that... There's a lot of names out there that are going to be available that are really interesting to me. Um, and I, I think you can find a really competent quarterback who's going to play well for a lot cheaper than what Lamar Jackson's asking for. That's another problem for Lamar is that there's high-quality quarterbacks like all over the league right now that are going to be available. So, like, it's a, it's a, it's a saturated market where Lamar has no leverage to ask for more money because you can replace him for a much cheaper contract. Yeah, I mean, your house is not worth what you think it's worth. It's worth what someone's willing to pay for it. You know, and, and I spent years in the banking business, and people all the time would think that their their entity is worth, you know, their assets worth what they think it is, uh, or what the appraisal they're waving around is. But if until you have someone actually willing to lay that money down for that item, it, it, it doesn't mean it's worth that much. And you can think your house is worth a million dollars all day long, but if the highest offer you get seven hundred thousand, guess what? Your house is worth seven hundred thousand at least right now. Have you ever seen the the house someone built in L.A. like in Bel Air? They were trying to sell it for like five hundred million dollars, or I think I think it was five hundred yeah five hundred million dollars. It was like this insane house. There's a really funny video on YouTube if you want to go watch it. Like it's everywhere. And this guy ended up selling it for like one hundred and eighty million. Like it was he built this ridiculous mansion that no one wanted. Like because he put all this money into it, did all this crazy stuff. But it's like the market for a $500 million house is so narrow. Unless you can convince Zuckerberg or Bezos to buy it, you're not going to sell it. I, now, I, 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 just, I, now I know you're young, but have you ever heard of Michael Jordan? I have. Yeah. He built a house <laughs> and he couldn't get anybody to buy it. Cause it was who wanted this fancy house out, you know, out in that neck of the woods where he had it. So yeah. Or maybe well, that was LeBron James. It was one of the two. Michael, Michael did my store, but it's either Michael Jordan or LeBron James. LeBron James, who built an amazing house, but they you know had basketball, but they kept having to drop the price because it was overpriced for the area. Nobody that much money wanted a house in that area. Well, it's like when uh, Devontae Adams bought a house in Henderson, Nevada, for twenty five million dollars. It's like that's such a rare a twenty five million dollar house in Henderson, Nevada, really only sells to people who are playing for the Raiders or um, you know work for like UFC or something. Like there's such a rare, mar- it's such a small market for 
I don't know what I'm, we're kind of getting off the point here, but. Okay. So uh, speaking of the, are you done with that or should I go on to the next well, one? Well, I'm curious, outside of Derek Carr, is there anyone that comes to mind you'd like to see in Baltimore? Hmm. So who are the quarterbacks you think that are moving around this year? Um, I, I think it's Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr for sure. Then yep. you've got guys in the draft. Um, you've got Trey Lance is probably out there if you want him. Garoppolo, uh, Garoppolo might be. Yep. So like, like Trey Lance has a similar skill set to Lamar Jackson, but it's going to be way cheaper. For example, would that, yep. is that name out there? Like, I, I don't know, but I think you can find a guy who can play similar or even slightly worse than Lamar for like w- way cheaper, way, way cheaper. I just think energy wise, just off the top end, I think Derek Hart's just a good fit with um, uh, Harbaugh. I, I think Derek Carr, the best fit for him is Carolina with Frank Reich, but Baltimore is a close second. And can we talk about Derek Carr? Do you want to get into that now? Yeah, I love, um, I love, I've got a tidbit you may have heard, but go ahead. Well, I, I want you to, I think you had something, so let, let's hear it. Um, you know, it, people were like, oh, it looks like he may not give the Raiders an extension on the guarantee past the 15th. Well, who, why would he? Why? So I'm predicting that come next week on the 15th, um, that, that he is not going to be, the Raiders going to have to just, Cut him loose because they don't cut him loose to have to pay him a ton of money. And then he'll immediately be a free agent and have all kinds of freedom. And he has no interest in doing anything to make it easier for the Raiders to get picks for him because they stiffed him. He is done with them. He's not going to give them anything. And he has a he has a trade. Um, he has a trade clause where he gets to pick where or not he goes. And he's just stalling for time. He's just stalling for time. Like the Saints want him. Why would he go to the Saints? And give the Raiders picks when he can go to the Saints on the 16th and the Raiders get nothing. Well, also, those are draft picks that he, if you trade him for draft picks, the team is going to, he's going to have fewer assets to support him. Exactly right. There's no benefit to him to do anything other than hold his breath until the 15th and on the 16th go to the teams that express interest and not make them weaker. So, February 15th is a deadline where the Raiders have to either pay him or, or cut him. If yes. they don't cut him, they owe him a ton of money and then yep. have to try, try to trade him away. And people are saying, people have been asking, I think the Raiders probably have said, hey, can we extend your deadline so we don't have to pay you yet and then we can try to trade you? And he's like, why Why would I help? I owe you nothing. In fact, if anything, you owe me the years of suffering Derek Carr had to go through because of the Raiders organization. I, I am really excited for the day that Derek Carr is free of the Raiders and is able to look around the league and go, who wants me? Give me your best yeah. pitch. I and love I, that thought. And I like the Raiders, but I don't think they did right by him, benching him the last two games, not even having him say goodbye, nothing. I just think it was disrespectful. And also, I don't know. <clears throat> so if you had done – so like, for example, the Raiders had Jarrett Stidham play the last two games of the year, and he actually did surprisingly well to me. Like I, he had a three-touchdown game. He played pretty well against Kansas City. I I, I didn't understand because – I would have loved like seven weeks of analyzing Jarrett Sidham to like really figure out what you have. The final two games of the year isn't a big enough like sample to be like, hey, Jarrett Sidham's good enough. He's our starter next year. So you know, all you did was burn your relationship with Derek Carr and get very little out of it. That's what I didn't understand is you you, you bench Derek Carr for this guy, but the, the two games isn't enough to really figure out what you have. So, like, we don't even know if the Raiders are going to go with Jarrett Sidham next year because it's such a s- small sample size. You didn't really get a good read on that. It was just nonsensical and weird. The whole start to finish, the way the Raiders handled Derek Carr and benching him, it was um, – disrespectful is a great word. 
here's the story from uh, last week that, that we pick up on. Um, you were right. Uh, I didn't see it, but Vic Fangio, in, in despite the report saying other options, did end up signing with the Dolphins. Why did he choose the Dolphins over some of the other places he could have gone to? Because he could have gone to, so what are we talking? He could have gone to the Broncos, was one we talked about. Yep. And right off the top, I can't remember the other team. The, the 49ers. The 40, and those look like better places to me for him than, than why do you think he went to Miami? I, I think, actually, Miami's a sneaky great opportunity for him. A, there's some really good defensive players. There's people he can work with who uh, can run his scheme really well. Guys, my, my dad, I, 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 I kind of want to leave this in. It's kind of interesting. He just ran away. And I was I was going, but I... I, I kind of wondered what happened to you. I got you. I actually want you to leave that in because you you just get up and run, and I'm like, I could keep going. I could carry the conversation, but I'm like, what 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 called Stephen away from the mic where you just had to run away for like five minutes? What what happened there? Did you cough? I needed did you die? more vodka. I needed more vodka. Oh, that's vodka. You're just mainlining <laughs> vodka, huh? It's it's just, I, it's just cold water. Obviously, it's no one can drink vodka like that unless you live in Russia. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> I, I, we're not, that's not a topic for this show, but I can I can hold my own. I could, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. I, you know, I, I had sangria last table. night. I'm I'm such a wimp. I had like sangria last night. It's like I, I don't even. I can't even drink wine. I drink sangria. <laughs> I'm a baby. All right, continue on with and, your. So, sorry for this. I need water. I was thirsty. Okay, <laughs> it was just funny. I it seemed like your house is getting broken into. I'm like, what? What is going on? Is there a home I held invader? up my glass so you can see it. <laughs> it's just funny. Anyway, um. The Dolphins are interesting for Vic Fangio. A, because their personnel really can run his scheme well. Uh, they've got good corners. They've got an interesting pass rush. They've got players that work really well. And they had a good defense under Ryan Flores for a reason. Like, they've got some good players on defense in Miami. But beyond just the personnel there, Vic Fangio doesn't want to be head coach ever again. He just wants to run the defense. He wants to run the defense and be in a situation where the offense is also taken care of. On top of that, you've got Mike McDaniel, this fun, energetic young coach, but he's youthful. He's a younger guy, first-year head coach last year. He's going to take care of the offense. Vic Fangio is going to take care of the defense. But on top of that, I really believe that Mike McDaniel is going to lean on some of the wisdom of Vic Fangio. And Vic Fangio is going to be really appreciated by Mike McDaniel because of his experience, because he's been head coach before. He's got answers to questions that Mike McDaniel's never dealt with before. They also are connected. Remember, they both have, um, they both have been around the 49ers organization before. They've, they've, you know, Mike McDaniel started coaching under not Kyle Shanahan, but uh, what's the older Shanahan's name? I'm blanking on the name right now. Um, oh, Mike, Mike, Mike Shanahan. Shanahan. Mike Shanahan. Yeah, thank you. I, hey, I pulled that out. Wow. I, I know. I was, I was like, I, I'm so bad at names. One time I forgot John Elway's name. I was like the the guy who was drafted by the Baltimore Colts, and then he went to the he won multiple Super Bowls with the Broncos. And I couldn't. I said all this facts. I remembered like his dog's name, but I couldn't remember his name. Anyway, um, I I think so. Not only does personnel work well for Miami, he's going to be respected and appreciated in Miami. But he just gets to run the defense, take care of that side of the football. The offense is going to be good with Mike McDaniel. You're in Miami. Um, I think it's kind of a awesome move for him. Like, would you? Taxes alone. Would you rather live in San Francisco or Miami? <laughs> like, oh, for sure. And come have on. You been, have you been to Miami? I haven't yet. No. Yeah. When I was in banking, I got, I had a, uh, my second time around in banking, I was blessed with a lot of success. Remember, that's when we got to Disneyland. Um, mm. Stayed in the Grand California Hotel. Incredible trip. It was amazing. But I got a uh, President's Club and Chairman's Circle. Now, you may or may not have heard of President's Club, 
but it's a big deal. But there's a level above president called chairman's circle. And so like the top 200 people got to go to president's club, but the top four people got to go to chairman's circle. And we had our own special dinner and all of us got to go to the Fountain Blue Resort in a Miami city of Miami Beach, just in Miami. That's where South Beach is. And we had a dinner just for ourselves on the Sunday night. Everyone left on Sunday. On Sunday morning, you're out, you go home. And we got to have a special dinner. And I got a suite in the Fountain Blue Resort, way up high, overlooking. I had views both sides and, and spent some time walking around South Beach. And uh, there's, if you have money, Miami is a lot of fun. Um, probably it's fun if you don't have money, but it's a cool thing to see. And I can I could see someone with money who's, a, you know, the Miami Dolphins often, you know, defensive coordinator probably is going to have plenty of money. Cool place to live. Yeah, I so there's a lot of unknowns with the 49ers quarterback situation. You've got taxes, you've got all that stuff. There's a lot of unknown in Denver. I actually would argue that the most stability offered to Vic Fangio is in Miami. You know, Mike McDaniel's not going any, anywhere anytime soon. Um, they would not shock me if they brought in Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. Um, I, I think the offense is going to be really good. There's good personnel in Miami. It's a good place to live. Taxes are great. I just think for Vic Fangio... Miami was the most exciting option. And uh, what's what's really cool is we're going to get to see Vic Fangio coach against Josh Allen, coach against um, Bill Belichick, coach against the Jets, and probably Aaron Rodgers. I think that division is absolutely loaded. And uh, I, I know I'm assuming that Aaron Rodgers is going to the Jets, but um, I, I really think it's going to be a fun step up. Like that division is so loaded everywhere. And uh, the 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 battles behind the scenes between like Bill O'Brien on the Patriots against Vic Fangio scheme wise is going to be so interesting or Josh Allen and the Dolphins defense. Like there's so much going on behind the scenes in that division uh, and every divisional matchup is going to be so fun and interesting. And I think it just made the division even more fun. Uh, okay. So you ready to, uh, there's a game happening Sunday, uh, Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, kind of a big game, actually kind of, kind of, kind of important. So you ready to tackle the Super Bowl? What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts now? My general thoughts, I, I want to look something up. I, so I I keep hearing people say that Philly's going to win. Well, like, first of all, people are, like, swinging their big um, – how do I even say this right? You know, there's a lot of energy and people, like, throwing their opinions around and saying, I know this, I know that, and this is what's going to happen. And I, I want to say, first of all, I resent the notion that either team is going to win by a lot of – by a, a massive margin. It's just not going to happen. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, and one and thing close it's, games of the Super Bowl are rare. No, they're not. Are they? I feel like every Super Bowl I've watched recently comes down to the end. Okay, we'll see. I, I expect a close game, and I'm trying to find what I'm looking for. I want to ask, when was the last time Patrick Mahomes played it, like, lost a blowout? When's the last time Patrick Mahomes lost a game by, like, 40 points? I, I think it's been nothing this year. I'm looking at, is that 2022, 2021? Let's load it. Um, three points. He lost to Tennessee on October 24th in 2021, 27 to three. So I've only found in like the last three years, there's only like one or two examples of him losing a game by more than like five points. They lost in the Super Bowl 31 to nine to Tampa, right? Like it's very rare. So I guess that's that's a prime example is they lost the Super Bowl 31 to nine to the Buccaneers. My point is this, though. It's really rare to see Patrick Mahomes lose a game by a ton. And despite the fact that I understand the Philadelphia Eagles are loaded, and I actually think Philadelphia is going to win this, the Super Bowl, 
I still think Mahomes makes it interesting and close at the end. And um, I, so I, just, the, I really don't buy into the idea that, that Philly's going to win by like 40 points. I just don't see that. So Super Bowl, the 2022 Super Bowl, Rams Bengals broke our heart. Um, 23 to 20, close game. Yep. 2021, Buccaneers won by 31 over to Chiefs 9. They only scored nine points. Um, yep. New England beat the Rams by 10 points, 13 3. Philly beat New England 41 to 33. That was a close game. And then you're right, 2017, 34 28 overtime. Um, then you have Denver 24 10 over Carolina. Then you have another close game, uh, New England, Seattle by four points, 28 24. Then you have Seattle 43, Denver 8. So every every other game seems to be close roughly, but then every other game is not close. I guess it's there's more close games than I thought, but there's plenty of plenty of games that aren't close. Well, there have been blowouts, but I I I just can't I don't if if either team if one team wins with a blowout, it's gonna be Philadelphia in my mind. Right? Philadelphia is a more complete team, they're a better team, they're dominant up front on both sides of the ball. But I, I just I I would be shocked if we're heading into the fourth quarter and we're not still a little bit unsure of who's going to win. I just I can't imagine a 35 point lead going into the fourth quarter by Philly. I just don't I don't see that happening. I, I just can't fathom that. And maybe I'm naive, but I don't I don't I anticipate close and interesting at least into the fourth quarter. Okay, and then um, are there any of the storylines that have come up that intrigue you? I've got one that sticks in my craw that I'm grumpy about. My grumpy old man curmudgeon take. Uh, but yeah. Storylines for you. For me, I, I, I feel like we can't lose to this Super Bowl. It's really interesting. Um, I, I love the idea of Andy Reid beating the Eagles in a Super Bowl. That's hilarious and fun. Um, he, he coached there for years. He never actually won a Super Bowl with Philly. He won his first one when he, he left to go to Kansas City. It'd be kind of a weird, sweet revenge for him to beat Philly in the Super Bowl. That's just interesting to me. But I, I, I honestly am openly rooting for the Eagles. I really want to see the Eagles win. I love Nick Sirianni. I love Jalen Hurts. Um, so I, I find myself rooting for Philly. I also believe Philly's going to win. But if if Kansas City wins, it'll be fun because I like Andy Reid. It's it's a really, um, I think for the future of Patrick Mahomes, him having a second Super Bowl really matters, like for his legacy. Um, I can't imagine it's going to be the last time I see Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl either. But um, I really think storyline wise, like no matter who wins, it's interesting and there's people to cheer for, which I really like. Now, in his NFL career, Nick Sirianni has been fired before. You know, one of the people that fired him, <laughs> Andy Reid. Do you know the story there? Do you know what happened? I don't. I just I know that I know that yeah, yeah. bit. So when Andy Reid was hired in Kansas City, there was a coaching staff before. I forget who the head coach was, but Nick Sirianni was on the coaching staff the year before Andy Reid got hired by Kansas City. And he went through and interviewed everybody, decided who he's going to keep and who he's going to let go. And he inter- you know, he, he considered keeping Nick Sirianni on a staff, even as a as a carryover from the, the previous staff. But he didn't hire Nick Sirianni. It just kind of like, hey, this guy's awesome. He's going to land on his feet. He'll be okay. I got my own. I think I think he was a receivers coach in Kansas City. Uh, when does that make sense? So he Sirianni was there. Andy Reid got hired as head coach and came in, and Sirianni was on the old coaching staff and wasn't retained by Andy Reid because he had his own guy already doing that role. Um, that sounds like something that the, um, you know, the PR team for Andy Reid put out because the PR team for Sirianni would be um, Andy Reid fired him. He fired our coach and we are out for blood. So that's why nuance matters, right? Because there's the short story and then the, the longer version, right? Which is, well, I'm not sure I believe that longer version, but that's okay. I think he's like, ah, you're all out of here. I got my own people. I don't even care. You're gone. 
Yeah, Matt, totally. <laughs> but but how often does a guy from the old staff get kept? It's pretty rare that a new coach comes in and looks to the old coaching staff and goes, who's worth keeping from the other old regime? Does that make sense? Like, I, yeah, so, I don't so think how, it was malice behind Nick Sirianni getting fired by Andy Reid. Regardless, would um, Michael Jordan or Tom Brady use that slight as motivation? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I have no doubt. I have no doubt Nick Sirianni's like, it'd be pretty fun to beat the guy who didn't keep me. Like, yeah. for sure. Oh, yeah. And I, I really want to see Nick's Dude, the turnaround from Nick Sirianni, when he got hired, I've said this so many times, his opening press conference as Eagles head coach was horrendous. He's like sweating and stuttering and couldn't talk. And I'm like, I remember thinking like, this guy is going to be a disaster. He can't coach at all. Like, I'm like, they really just hired like an idiot. Oh, my God. And <laughs> not only was I wrong, he's now on the cusp of probably winning a Super Bowl. And I just think that's awesome. Like, I really, really, he's so Philly. He, he you know, he, the way he handles his sidelines, the way he defends his players, the way he defended Rich Gannon, the, Rich Gannon, what's the guy's name? The the defensive coordinator there. I'm blanking on the name right now. I'll right, look it I up in a know. second. Yeah, I, I just, the way Rich he Rich Gannon was a quarterback, I think, I know, for the I know, Raiders, I'm like, I'm like, but don't ask me how Gannon. I know that. I know, I know. I was like, I was like, can't be, but it's something, right? What, what's the coordinator's name in Philly? I'm so bad at names. Let's say Greg Gannon, Chad Gannon, Brad Gannon. Want me to keep throwing out Gannons? Jonathan Gannon. Okay, I'm not crazy. It is, it is Gannon. It's not Rich Gannon. It's Jonathan Gannon. Um, <laughs> anyway, the way he defended Jonathan Gannon was really cool. I, I really, really uh, enjoy Sirianni, and um, I, I think what's going to happen too is. Have you heard any of the reports with here's a this is an aside, but Howie Roseman, the Eagles GM, I'm going to read a quote from him today. He was talking about Carson Wentz and what happened when the so it, I'm going to read. Um, here's a here's a quote from Howie Roseman talking about how he was disappointed in the way Carson Wentz handled the Eagles drafting Jalen Hurts. He said this is Howie Roseman talking about Carson Wentz, Eagles GM talking about former Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz. The league is a the the league is a competitive league. Look, you have to be really good to start in this league at quarterback. If you're worried that we're bringing in depth and talent, you're probably not the right guy at that position. So, Philly didn't like that they brought in Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz got all threatened and insecure. And they're like, "Are you really like the man if you're bothered by us drafting a guy to compete against you?" And Jalen Hurts fits Philly so so well like it, it a that that tested Carson Wentz's mentality as a quarterback and showed them like his true colors and it, he was much more insecure than they thought and Jalen Hurts it's just so fitting with what they are and I think they're going to give him a contract he's going to be their guy for a long time and I, I really love what's going on quarterback wise in Philly um and that was an interesting tidbit that the wheels started coming off the minute Jalen Hurts got drafted and Carson Wentz didn't handle that well probably was even mad at them behind the scenes that we didn't see publicly um, that was Jalen Hurts was recruited before they won the Super Bowl or after? Uh, after, so yeah, so you the know, wheels came off when Nick Foles went did well. That's when the uh, I'm sure correct. it totally. really hurt Carson Wentz when Nick Foles did well. Just yeah. Jalen Hurts made it made it worse. Yeah, well, when his when his backup quarterback won a Super Bowl without him, he couldn't handle that. All that, and I, I'm sure the debate in Philly was like, we want Nick Foles, not Carson Wentz, and that that hurt his ego. But he was a little too fragile to handle that conversation. I don't blame him. I don't know how I would handle that. But then when the Eagles doubled down and drafted another quarterback, Jalen Hurts behind Carson really early in the second round of the draft, he was like, so you guys don't want me. And instead of believing himself and fighting for it, he kind of wilted. And um, I think it says not only a lot about Carson Wentz, but also a lot about Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts 
probably never faltered in believing in himself and saying, like, I'm the man. I'll, I'll handle this totally fine. And you juxtaposed um, uh, Carson Wentz with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm, tell me about well, that. He, what do you what do you Well, you're bringing in Trey Lance. Hey, I'm still here. Uh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm hanging out. Yeah, you got me on old, some other field practicing. I'm ready. Oh, your unbothered. kids hurt? Yeah, unbothered. Oh, your kids hurt? I'm back in. I'm the man once again. Yeah, well, like, again, it goes back to confidence, right? Confidence is always believing in yourself. Jimmy Garoppolo is like, okay, Trey Lance is good. So am I. Like, that's the thing about playing quarterback, right? You can only control what you can do. You can be the best you can be. The minute you start comparing yourself to everybody, you lose. Like, I, I all you can do is the best. You, I'm sorry, but you're if if I'm playing quarterback in in college, and then literally like the coach says, "Hey, for some reason Aaron Rodgers is back in college. He's now our starting quarterback." I I shouldn't try to keep up with Aaron Rodgers. All I can do is be the best I can be every day. Work on what I can do better. You're not going to make if they bring in a better guy. That's it's kind of out of your control. All you can do is work on yourself. And if you focus on what you can do well and incrementally get better at what you can do, like Jalen Hurts has, you're going to succeed. And Jimmy Garoppolo's like, yeah, Trey Lance might be good. Maybe not, but I know I'm good. And when I get my chance, I'll play and do well. And all you can do is control what you can control, work hard, and, and believe in yourself. And when you get your opportunity, do well with it. Carson Wentz couldn't handle all that behind the scenes. And that's, that's fascinating to me. I love that you brought that up because you're right. Jimmy Garoppolo literally lost his job and was like, okay, well. I'll be ready whenever you need me, you know, and that's pretty, pretty baller actually. And the hard thing is, is if you're not emotionally mature, it's easy to feel bitter, understandably bitter, but then that bitterness eats at you. And, and you said they bring in a quarterback better. How about college situations where they bring in a quarterback that's worse and they play the quarterback that's worse for some other reason. Uh, in any position, I mean, I, I know there's there's uh, there's young people that listen to strong opinion sports that are at play college ball, um, and they may be in a situation where the person coming in to be the defensive end or the safety, and they play safety, isn't better is worse, but for some reason the coach likes them better, and it's really hard to not be bitter and let that bitterness mess with you. But my advice is stay stay the course and just keep working at it because that's something that also you can't control. Bitterness is a real; it really messes with your head. That's one of my regrets in my playing days was I learned this lesson too late that all you can do is do the best you can do. Control what you can. There are a lot of things that outside of your control. You can always control your attitude and your effort. And I think this goes for business. This goes for making YouTube videos. This goes for playing quarterback. This goes for like so many things. Literally all you can do is the best you can do. Maximize your potential and do the best you can physically do. Tom Brady is a great example of maximizing his potential. But I think that's sometimes all you can focus on. It's like, what can I do a little bit better? How can I get better? What can I do? And you yeah, do the best you can. And it, it shakes out like it does. Yeah. And I really don't want people, you know, when I'm working with people, you know, doing my bonfire mentoring, I don't want people to try and do their best because then they get screwed up by perfectionism and et cetera. Mm. I think the trick is what you talked about last episode of previous episode, how, how well you, you gave an eloquent, eloquent discourse. People should go back and listen to if they haven't talking about how Jalen hurts got better and better and better. And I think if you try to get better, that's, that's the path to a much better path to victory than trying to do your best. No, you have to take small incremental steps forward. Every, every time you output a product, whether that's a podcast or a football season or whatever, Every time your product is shown, make it a little bit better. 
Yes, and, but that's different than every time trying to do your best because for some people yeah. that just messes with their head and it becomes um, uh, destabilizing and unhelpful. Well, you're also so not go- going to be perfect. That, it, that's, it, a, oh. that's really important to when things go badly, you, you got to be able to shake it off. You, you have to like this happens in life all the time, like literally like someone cut you off in traffic is a great example. Like you can't lose your cool and freak out when something doesn't quite go to plan. You got to just go with the flow and figure out what's next. And that goes for quarterback. That goes for business. It goes for everything. You have to be able to, your, your things are not going to go exactly like you planned and are not going to go perfect. And a lot of life is how you react to stuff when things veer off course and aren't quite right. All right. So this next segment, I want to switch into my, uh, the, the, uh, what sticks in my craw. Um, I'm not sure what a craw is, but it's something bad sticks in my craw about one of the storylines for the Super Bowl. And if you've got some heartache in your journey. If you're going through a tough time, you may want to just skip ahead a little bit. This may not be the segment for you. I just, I'm being very serious. Um, cause what, what, what makes me grumpy, what it leads into. Um, but, but the, um, Kelsey brothers on their podcast were like the, you know, complaining and moaning and whining that it was, they didn't like the Kelsey brothers storyline and how awful it is. And I felt like they were ungrateful, awful human beings it's like oh i've got a porsche in the driveway and a lamborghini oh it's so awful and and one i just think it's so it just it just really bothers me them saying um well i don't like people's because it's a cool story and both brothers are in the super bowl and then how and this is what went through my head and then i thought about went oh my gosh but i literally thought what about all the people that don't have a brother anymore their brother died and they don't have a brother how does it make those people feel and then i went oops because that's your situation. Yeah, I, I, so I try to be really gracious and understanding of everybody. I, when I think about why the Kelsey brothers are uncomfortable with the narrative of the Kelsey Bowl and all the attention that's getting, because it is crazy. Like, I wish we could have seen Peyton Manning play Eli Manning in a Super Bowl. That would have been really cool. We almost, we got close like so many times and it never happened. It's cool to see two brothers playing each other in a Super Bowl. And it is, I understand your frustration that they're complaining about the narrative, but I think it actually goes back to me. Like I, I am sometimes uncomfortable with the attention that comes to being a YouTuber. I think they're uncomfortable with the narrative and the attention. And I think they don't want the story to become about them because they want it to be about their team. I think their, their hearts are in a good place, even if it comes across as them just complaining about having a Lamborghini in the driveway, right? It's, I think they mean well, even if where they're coming from, it's like, what do you mean? You think you don't think it's cool you're playing in this, your brother in the Super Bowl? Like that's an insane story. But I think what what they're what they're where they're coming from is a place of modesty and a place of hey, like you know, let's focus on our team and our accomplishment and what our teams have done rather than on us. I think it's actually just a discomfort with the spotlight that's being misinterpreted by some people. I, I haven't listened to the. I think it's called New Heights, which you know, in, in Vancouver is actually a church, which always the name of their podcast being new heights always makes me feel weird. I'm like in a church podcast, like what's happening here. But I've heard, I've only heard clips of their podcast and it's actually been really great. I think their dynamic is fun. I would kill to do a podcast with my, with my brother, right? Like, unfortunately he's fucking dead. <laughs> so, um, I, uh, I, I under, I, I don't, I just can't imagine that where they're coming from is a really negative, angry place of malice. I just think that, uh, maybe they lack perspective of like, hey, this is really cool. Because I know when they're like 60 and they're drinking beers together on a beach at a family get together, like, remember that time we played each other in the Super Bowl? That was insane. And it's almost like the the moment has kind of wrapped them up and they're 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 lacking perspective a little bit on how how really genuinely cool it is that they both reached the pinnacle of success. And um, it's unfortunate. 
So we got to talk about Zane because it's February 8th. Correct. And seven years ago today, we lost him. Yeah. Brutal, most brutal night of my life. And, uh, you know, there's a couple, a couple football stories about Zane. I want to tell if that's okay. Yeah. One is the night that, uh, he was, um, junior varsity and he would play against the, as I understand it, play, get play the defense, you know, in practice and, you know, attack. He he was our scout. He was on the scout team defense. So he would play. I was the starting quarterback playing against my brother on defense, and he was mimicking the defense of whatever we were playing that week. And he was tenacious. <laughs> Fuck yeah. And, yeah. And, and the and in in the game in a game, the coach put him in to run one play as a running back, and he went like twenty or thirty yards, and it was like, are you kidding me? So. The coach left him in, and the next play, he scored a touchdown. And I have a photo of you guys. Both my sons scored touchdowns in a varsity football game for Skyview, and that is that is so meaningful to me today because he's gone. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's kind of interesting that here we are on February 8th recording a podcast together. I don't know. It's... <laughs> It's also interesting that like it fell on today, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, I knew just... last week we were going to record. I just, the way the universe works, I already knew. And I was trying to get my emotion, myself emotionally ready. I was uh, worried you weren't going to be able to record today. Like I, I know it's a, it's a weird day for both of us. And so it's well, always had, kind of, I've had a week. I knew a week ago, this was going to happen. Number one. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you know, the past couple of years, I did an Instagram post today. The past couple of years haven't been so bad. This has been just a brutal day. Started yesterday afternoon. Uh, but, but this was like some comfort to me. Um, cause I, I miss saying, and he kind of inspired all of this. And the fact that we're now doing something I never expected. And you know, whether this goes 500 more episodes or this is the last episode, Hey, I got to record four episodes with you, which is a huge joy. I can't tell you. Uh, but I want to tell you one more Zane story. Um, I think you were playing union. Um, but I'm not sure, but, uh, just for the record, union parents are the worst parents in the league. <laughs> They're horrible human beings. I don't know what they do for union parents. It makes I want to go to union games when they're playing. Um, Camus going to get crushed and sit on their sidelines and cheer for Camus. Uh, sit on the home side at union. Uh, just horrible human beings. Can't stand union. Um, you can quote me on that. Um, but I think you were playing union, and the second half, uh, the, the half ended, and you guys were coming out of the stadium, and you went on the field, and you had the ball first, and you got the ball about to the fifty-yard line, roughly, and a downpour started and it just started downpouring super hard. And and there was parents tripping around me from the opposing team, like in our part of the, uh, of, of the stadium, the home team. And we're home at Skyview in the half to bowl you guys playing. And it hit me. I knew what was going to happen. And I stood up and I yelled, he's about to throw a touchdown. And because it was just a driving rain and everybody looked at me, I lost my mind. And you dropped back in this driving rainstorm that had just started deluging, and you threw a touchdown. And I just started crying because a few years earlier, we lived literally next door to David Douglas High School. Like you hop the fence and you're on David Douglas High School property, literally, not metaphorically next door, literally next door. And it would start raining, and you would say to Zane, we got to go, we got to go. And you would hop the fence into the into the school, then you'd hop the other fence onto the field and you would practice throwing balls in driving rain. And Zane made that touchdown possible. He, cause you had to thumb to throw to. Yeah, man. I, 
I, I, I force Zane to play catch me so much, you know, like <laughs> I, I always have wondered, like, was I mean or not? I don't, he really helped me, I guess is the best way to put that. You know, he, he really, Zane was my receiver, uh, willing or not so many times. And like, dude, there's no way I look back at being in high school. Like there's no way it started downpouring and your crazy brother goes, Hey, like we live in the Northwest. I'm going to play playoff games in December in Oregon. We got to go play catch in the rain because you got to be able to throw the football in the rain. There's no way he wasn't like, are you kidding me? Like, uh, dude, I, the last thing I want to do right now is go out in the rain and get soaking wet and catch like this leather, like rock that you're throwing way too hard at me. And he just did it over and over again. But that's and, how uh, I knew. That's how I literally stood up and called it. And people like thought I was nuts. And then the next, like four seconds later, it happened. And then they were like, just looking at me amazement. But I knew because I'd seen you, I'd know you practiced it over and over and over that literal thing. Well, it was, no I one, remember the play even it was four verts and we, I just looked the safety to left and threw the ball down the right uh, seam for a touchdown. I remember that I, we're actually playing, uh, I believe Enumclaw high school in that game. Um, <laughs> Ah, it's funny. I don't know. It's pretty incredible. But yeah, it's, no one expected that because it was just the dr- rain had just started driving. It just was a little bit and then boosh. And anyways, it was cool. So can, um, can I say on the topic of Zane, you know, the reason I do a podcast is because Zane, you mentioned kind of funny and I don't want to mention too much, but Zane loved kind of funny and always tried to get me to listen to that podcast. And I only listen to podcasts because of him and, and he was the one who's like, we should, Zane even told me like, we should do a podcast together. And I was like, ah, that's stupid. I don't, I'm not interested in that. Podcasts are dumb. Who cares? And he was later, I've done 500 and how many episodes of a podcast. Like, I, and I was not a podcast guy until Zane introduced them to me. Um, and that's kind of a cool little, little tidbit. Yeah. I miss him a tremendous amount. And, um, I know you've said it, you say it a lot, you believe it, but if you're struggling, um, well, you say your thing and then I'll add my dad thing. Well, I always just say, if you're struggling, go get help. Um, it's It really makes me sad that there are people who suffer in, in silence. And um, I just encourage anyone, if you're struggling, like, go seek professional help um, and, and go talk to somebody. Because they're – oh, man. I, I, I wish Zane had talked to us. Um, he, he didn't talk to us. And I – I, I look back and I, I see signs maybe that I probably should have recognized, but I didn't know he was struggling the way he was. Um, and it's it's really sad to me that there are people out there that are struggling, having a hard time, and aren't able to talk about it, aren't able to verbalize it, aren't able to feel like they can get help. Um, I get a lot of a lot of flack. In fact, I, I get comments sometimes. People are like, "This guy Zach needs a intervention," <laughs> and it hurts me because I just try to be open and honest about what I'm going through, and I, I I'm very I publicly share like. Hey, like I'm struggling on this and this and this because I don't see a lot of creators doing that. And it drives me nuts. And I, I wish we lived in a world where it was safe to talk about what you're going through, what you're struggling with. And we could normalize that a little more instead of everyone feeling this need to hide stuff. So I just again, I say, if you're struggling, go get help and, and please don't suffer in silence. And uh, it, it breaks my heart to know there are people out there having a hard time in life that not only can't get help, but also can't even verbalize it to themselves or to the people around them. And um, it, it just really, really breaks my heart. Yeah, I, I really encourage that. And then something that I want people to know, um, I'm, I'm going to use you know code words because there's certain words you can't use like TikTok and YouTube. They they block it and shut it down. I don't want this episode shut down. But you unalive you, yourself on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, if if you unalive yourself, uh, if you're thinking about it, um, please know that there are people that will miss you 
and, and, and cherish you and you will break their hearts like you can't imagine. And I know a lot of people, I'm going to tell a story I've never told before if you're up for it, but I know there's people that feel like no one cares and that that's just not true. But, but I'm telling you from someone who's lost someone and I, there are so many people whose lives Zane touched that I hear from even now, seven years later, that, that he may not have known how much he impacted them. Um, you know, there was a kid in his, that came to the memorial service that gave me a, a, a dirty, ugly hat. And Zane would come in the classroom and tease him and knock his hat off and encourage him. And, and that kid felt like Zane was the only one who talked to him. And he tearfully gave me that hat. I still have this hat. And so if you're feeling like you don't matter to anybody and you may, there may be some important people in your life that you don't matter to. You may not matter to your parents. I get that. I get that. But it doesn't mean there aren't people that won't miss you and you matter to people. So please don't, don't unalive yourself. And, and, and the reason I know what that's like is um, I, I never told the story because I felt too much shame, but I wish I told it to you guys when you were young. Um, but I had shame about it and I, I've never really shared it, but uh, I don't know if I've shared it with you or not, Zach, I, but I, I really not ever publicly shared it. But, you know, my 10th grade, 10th grade school, we had an award ceremony, small school, and I won every award possible. You know, and I hope my dad doesn't hear this podcast, break his heart. I think he's a different person now. I don't want to break his heart, but I won every award possible. I literally came up with a literal box full of trophies. Have you heard this story? You have? Okay. Is it okay to tell it? Yeah, go ahead. Came home with a box full of trophies, and I had learned performance-based value. Your value is based on your performance. The more you perform, the more you're going to be valued. So achievement was my way to prove I had value. And I had achieved every – I won every trophy I was eligible for. There was not one trophy I was eligible for I didn't win. I mean, I was literally president of the student council, editor of the yearbook, stupid thing but mattered in my school, chairman of the snack bar committee. I mean, everything, student of the year, student athlete of the year, captain of the football team, captain of the basketball team. I'm not exaggerating. Everything. I want everything. And um, I came home. My dad didn't go to that. And I think he was drunk. And he said, you know, those trophies aren't worth the powder to blow them to hell. And that just wrecked me. It wrecked me no end. I grew up in a home with a lot of pew-pews. Everywhere, I say pew pews because you can't say the real word. Everywhere, everywhere in the house. I won't get into the story, but everywhere. And uh, so I took one and I went and climbed up on the roof and I sat there with the roof and I put the pew pew in my mouth and I thought about ending it. And I didn't, I think just because I was honorary, but I really felt like I mattered to no one and I was a huge failure and there was nothing I could do to ever be good enough or win. And I moved out shortly after that. I moved out when I was 16, just before I turned 17. Um, you know, 11th grade, my own car, my own apartment, my own company. And I've been on my own ever since. I literally moved out when I was 16, almost 17. Cause I just couldn't, it was that, or I had, I was literally trying to save myself, but I know, I literally know what it's like to feel so unloved and unvaluable and unsuccessful and like a loser that you put a pew pew in the back of your mouth. I literally know that, but you can overcome that. So please, please, if you're struggling with that, please get help. And I don't care if you feel like everyone in your house doesn't care about you. It, it tragically could be true, but there are other people that do. And life, it, you are too precious, too precious not to, not to get help. Please, please do. I, uh, I got a, a story that, so I've been going to therapy. Um, and I, I've been 
trying to figure out how to go back to college to get my degree. That's like a really important thing to me. I, I never finished my degree and I, I want a degree. It feels like a, a huge thing I'd have in my holster. And my therapist pointed out, you know, because I've I, I just been like feeling like crap, like why didn't I get my degree? I never finished all this stuff. And um, she was like, you know, your your brother died like your freshman year of college like that. Of course you got derailed. Like, and I, and I never, I never, I never even considered that. I've always felt like a loser for not finishing my degree, but she pointed out like, you know, you kind of had a huge wrench thrown into things and really got thrown off course. And what I would say is, is it, it, that was an unintended consequence of, of what Zane did. Um, And I, I don't think he meant to hurt everyone around him, but it, it really screwed up my life in a lot of ways. I don't mean to sound selfish. Like I just, what, what I'm saying is like, you may not even realize the way that if you unalive yourself, um, how it's going to impact everyone around you. And it, it really, in going to therapy and talking through it with someone that she was like, dude, you, you got totally thrown off by this insane, horrible event that happened in your life. Of course you don't have a degree. Like how could you go to college and, and focus on anything other than like grieving and trying to process stuff? Um, and then the next note I would say with that is like, I just always try to treat people really well. Like you, you never ever know what someone's going through behind the scenes. Um, I, I interact with so many people at fast food restaurants or gas stations or um, servers at restaurants. I just, there, there are people that get treated so badly at work that are in the service industry and in, interact with the, the general public, whether it's restaurants or gas stations or grocery stores. And it, breaks my heart that people treat them like crap and i on top of that you never know what they're going through and so i just always try to be gracious and give people benefit of the doubt and treat them really well i wish everyone would do that um but i I just encourage people to remember like you don't always know what someone's dealing with behind the scenes and so i think it's really really important to treat other humans well and just be kind and gracious and and remember that if someone treats you badly they might be going through something that you don't even, you're not even aware of. Um, and I know there are moments in my life where I've treated people badly because I was hurt and grieving and didn't know how to handle it. So often if people honk at me in the road or they cut me off in traffic or they're really rude to me at a restaurant or a grocery store, I, I try to remember like, you never know what's going on. Cause I, I look back at times in my life where I've been kind of rude or kind of a dick. Cause I was going through some stuff and I, I just didn't, I, I didn't have the emotional capacity to treat other people kindly. And so I try to give them the benefit of the doubt that they might be going through stuff that I have no idea about. If that makes sense. I just think it's really important to treat other humans really, really well. Maybe kind. Yep. Well, I didn't want to derail this podcast by, you know, podcast and video by talking about Zane, but it's February 8th and he was a big part of our football, your football journey and my football journey. And uh, it just didn't seem right not to. So thank you for indulging me. I know we both got heartache and we, and I'll just, I'll just one more thing I'll say that's, it's funny, but it's true. You know, grieving is like going to the bathroom when you don't do it, bad things happen. And if you've had a loss, you have to grieve it. And people try to quantify their losses. I've met people that had a pet that's been their pet for 15 years. That's like the only thing in their life. They lose the pet and they're wrecked. And then they start complaining to me about their pet. And they say, oh, but you lost a son. And I, I can tell that loss is huge to them. You can't quantify loss. Loss is loss. And you can't you compare a, it. You can't compare it. You can't. You can't. I have all the time of people telling me about grieving because I talk about it a lot. And then they realize, you know, they feel like, oh, I shouldn't be talking to you about it because you have a worse loss than mine. And you can't compare it. And you just grieve. And grieving wears you out. Grieving is tired. Grieving is awful. Ugly crying is awful. But you have to grieve to heal. The worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you, whether it's a thing that's 
is big to society or not. If the worst thing that's ever happened to you is your hamster dying, that's a massive thing you've never dealt with. It's a, the first thing you dealt with death. It's really horrible. And I, I always try to be, it happens to be too, where people, they like cover their mouth and go, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I know your, your brother died. My, my thing is trivial. I'm like, no, it's not. Like to you, it's the worst thing that's ever happened to you. It's you. I'm yep. so sorry that happened to you. That's horrible. I always, you know, I try to remember that. That's a, a huge perspective you have to have is that whenever someone's going through the worst thing they've ever dealt with, it's the worst thing they've ever dealt with. And you got to treat it that way. You can't compare like brother to hamster. Like that doesn't make any sense. Yep. And I, and said, I mean, I'm, I'm, in, you know, I, I've got some intuition. Um, and one of the things that I sometimes pick up on people is people that have had a loss, they haven't grieved it and you can just feel it coming off of them. And so, man, if you, if you have a loss, you haven't grieved, man, I just encourage you to grieve it because that's how you heal. Grieving is how we heal. Okay, dad, I got a question. Okay. Sorry, to, we'll, we'll we'll take a total left turn. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> Who's going to win the Super Bowl on Sunday? Uh, so I I feel like um, betting against Mahomes, picking against Mahomes is a bad idea because he is so tenacious. He's so incredible. Um, He's like a mythical creature, and you have to treat him with that level of respect. Yes, and so. Almost all of my being says you just got to pick Mahomes, but but just I think that the Philadelphia Eagles are a more complete team, um, and I think they're hungrier, and I think they feel more disrespect, and I think they do feel like the underdog. It doesn't matter whether they are or not the underdog. I think they feel like the underdog. And the fact that people have been saying, oh, they're not the underdog and, and everyone, a lot of people are picking the Chiefs, I think is helpful to the Eagles. Because um, that, that last minute stuff, I mean, you heard how much the mayor of Cincinnati motivated the Chiefs. Um, I really think that stuff matters a lot. Uh, when people are saying you can't win or you won't win, I think it matters. And so my pick is going to be the Eagles. I'll be happy if the Chiefs win. Um you know, I, I like their coach. I like I like Patrick Mahomes. I like Eric Bieniemy. I like I like all their team. I think it's great. But I really think that the Eagles are going to pull it out. I I believe the Eagles win. I also believe it's close. I I really I just I'm so excited for this game because I I there's so much possibility here. Like there there really are. I, I don't know. I'm so excited to see what Philadelphia does on offense, for example. Like, what's their game plan? What are they trying to do behind the scenes? Are, are they just attacking in the trenches? Like, what's what's going to happen there? And then how does Kansas City respond? And uh, there's so there, there's so much happening in this football game and so much talent everywhere. And, and then what I'm really interested in is the final five minutes of this football game. If it's close and Patrick Holmes gets the football, that terrifies me. And suddenly the guy who picked Eagles just a second ago is going to go, you know, Patrick Mahomes has a ball with three minutes left, and it, it gives me a similar feeling to when Tom Brady would get the football as I was growing up watching Tom Brady have the football at the end of any game. Like, I just don't – you give Mahomes an opportunity, he's more than likely going to burn you. And so um, – and then I even wonder, like, in the final three minutes of the game, who's more likely to put together a game-winning drive, Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts? I love Jalen Hurts. I think Mahomes is more likely to win the game at the end. So if I'm Philly, I would much rather have a 10, 14 point lead going into the final five minutes uh, just to be safe. For sure. For sure. I, I think I've got two things that I'm going to be watching for in my analysis when I'm taking my detailed notes and okay. got my two phones going and getting texts from all my sources during the game. 
All your sources, yeah. yeah. I, that's my favorite now new running joke. By the way, is the all your sources that you just make up in your head. And, you know, they're like they're like little elves that just text you things about football. You're you're football elves. Hey, I got advice for people that want to achieve something. Um, you have to be. You have. To, I'm a legend in my own mind because you have to start somewhere. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but this now this is good though. This is good stuff here. This is noteworthy. For, for what are you looking for? Uh, how the Eagles defense does, particularly in the second quarter and the third quarter. Are they gaining and gaining steam and gaining ground and wearing out the offensive line, particularly in the to the end of the second quarter and the all of the third quarter? And the other thing I think is going to be really telling in this game is do the Eagles have a good running game? Are they able to burn t- burn the clock and have a successful running game? Because that will keep um, Patrick Mahomes off the field and use up the clock. So those are the two things I'll be watching to see if the Eagles are going to win. I think those will be two things that could really play into their hand. Do you think commercials are going to be better? Like in the last couple of years, I think Twitter and the Rona. So people getting scared of getting attacked on Twitter. I think marketing teams in general have gotten safer since 2020. Although I've seen a couple of commercials recently, they've given me hope that maybe things are turning a corner back to, a fun environment in the commercial space where we see fun stuff and light stuff that's enjoyable. Do you think maybe this year could have better commercials than we've seen in the last couple of years? Just for answer your question, a tangent, you know, the, the three things I love about the Super Bowl, um, uh, the commercials, number one, the food, number two, and then the game, number three. I mean, that just, <laughs> I just, I, I'm excited for the snacks. I've already got planned out and I'm going to have, um, what are you going to have? Uh, current plan is, um, uh, uh, Buffalo wings, wings, and then um, nachos. Where are you getting your wings? Like, are you buying them? Or are you making them in your uh, oven? What's your so plan? So your amazing stepmother that you did a podcast with, Desperately Dating, and now she's writing the book, Desperately Dating. Her first book is written, and it's about to come out, uh, Falling Out of Love with My Career. Really good book. Now she's writing the next book, uh, Desperately Dating. Um, I think its subtitle is Her Quest for True Love or something like that. But uh, she's making the wings from scratch. She already has the wings in the freezer, and uh, you know how good she cooks. I should just come back. It's like a four-day drive, but I'll come back for the wings. Oh, Gosh, we dang. will have an amazing time. We'll watch the game. I'm we'll not going to make I literally can't physically drive far enough to get there in time, but I'm <laughs> jealous of the wings. That sounds incredible. Yeah, wings and nachos is the current game plan. Although what I really want to add to it, and I may actually sneak this in, um, this is a riff. This is a weird thing. Zane loves this. Uh, I don't even know if you like it or know about it, but um, a really nice, perfect hot dog bun. And then you put um, a hot dog in it, a baked hot dog. You don't boil them, you bake them. And don't overbake them. And then a little bit of mustard. Get a little bit of char on the hot dog. Yep, yep. And then you heat up some baked beans on the stove, Bush's baked beans. And then you put with just, you use a, use a spoon, a slotted spoon, and you lift them up. So all the juice drips out of the baked beans into the pan. And you put those baked beans over the top of your hot dog. Oh, that is absolutely phenomenal. That and some um, cheddar sour cream potato chips, the crunchy ones. Oh, that is a fantastic deal right there. So you go hot dog bun, baked hot dog, not boiled, but baked. Yep. Baked beans with the juices like strained out of it and and mustard, I heard. Is that yellow is that mustard? Accurate? Yep, yellow mustard. So you get like the French tang is of the mustard. The normal boring kind? Yep, exactly. That's, no, yeah, that's what I do too. Yeah, but but that's perfect because you get the tang of the mustard and you get the sweetness of the baked beans. You get the char of the hot dog. It's all held by this perfect pillowy bun. Oh, it's phenomenal. Can I give a recommendation? I did something last time I made nachos. It blew my mind. Okay. 
So I, I, and you can insert any sauce you like. I use sriracha, for example. But I made this like, I, I love sour cream, but sour cream spreads horribly. Like it's thick and viscousy and doesn't work very well, like spread over nachos. So what I did was I put sour cream in a bowl. I put sriracha in a bowl and then I added a little bit of water and I, I just whisked it all together. And it made like this sour cream sriracha sauce, basically. And I just drizzled it over my nachos. Once, like you get them out of the oven, they're all baked, everything's done. And then you drizzle the sour cream sauce over the top because I love sour cream, but I just, you know, you know, when you pull sour cream out of the fridge and it's literally like chunky and kind of hard and doesn't quite, it just doesn't spread well. So you got to add water and a sauce and make some kind of, yummy sour cream sauce you pour over your nachos and that was a game changer to me it made nachos like it went from like really good to incredible that sounds good and i do love sriracha so those are things to look for i think the commercials are going to be i think they'll be okay this year i think part of i think part of the problem with super bowl commercials is expectation mm. i think we expect them to be over the top and when they're good we're dissatisfied now i in my opinion objectively, I think they haven't been that good for the past couple years. A lot of well, them they've been, like, sa- they've been really safe. It's yeah, really and, boring and, and boring. Safe. Yeah. Not creative. And so like I don't Pfizer need to having a commercial. It's like protect your people. Like it's just not interesting. Healthcare commercials in the Super Bowl. It's not fun either. Like, I, eh. yeah. And, and then showing ads previews of movies. I've already seen the trailer for that's like stupid. Um, or like Bitcoin, <laughs> like FTX. You're like, come on. I, I really don't want to see all the Bitcoin commercials this year at the Super no, I think Bowl. Bitcoin's I hope all, we've I moved think on. Bitcoin bros went out of business. I think we're well, okay. FTX is definitely done. So, <laughs> so I, I, I think part of it's expectation, but I think we have a shot at having some creative. I think I think you're right. People are like ready for creativity. And I think the benefit we have is a couple years of, of down. So people will be not – they won't have as high expectations because expectations – your expectations really shape your reality hugely. Uh, talking about expectations, um, my belief is that uh, Rihanna, 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 however you say that, I, I apologize. I, I've, I've never said Rihanna's name out loud before, really. I think uh, it's Rihanna. And, and Rihanna, perfect. And Justin Timberlake are doing the Super Bowl halftime show. Is that correct? I think it's Rihanna, and Justin Timberlake may be joining her. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you I what, her nothing's going to top. Yeah, it is, Rihanna is like the headliner. Yes. Nothing is going to top last year with Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and Eminem and Kendrick Lamar and Mary J. Blige. Like that to me was the best Super Bowl halftime show I've ever seen in my entire life. And literally, it's it's an impossible task to follow that up. I almost feel bad for Rihanna having to do the halftime show after last year being just like the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and and the the the, the NFL halftime show is a tough thing because it's corporate. It's it's the most corporate event of it all. In fact, that's what players say. It's the hard thing about playing in the Super Bowl is that there's no fan base. There's no cheering because it's people being well behaved. It spent a lot of money to get there, drinking their beverages, just enjoying the game laid back. Um, it's not passionate, crazy fans. It's quiet. It's like weirdly quiet in the stadium. In fact, yeah. it's a lot of people having side conversations. Like you hear like quiet talking, not like cheering and yelling and excited people. That's that's what I heard from people that have played in the Super Bowl. Is it, it is that same kind of like weird, eerie, almost like a 2020 game with no crowd. It's just like a, a very quiet, low-key fans. And so it's got to have the same impact on the performers because you're not like at your concert with your fans are screaming and yelling and giving you back energy. Well, what's interesting about the Super Bowl whether it's the halftime show or the game is people aren't there for you. Like no one's there. Cause they love the chief. Very few people are because they love Kansas city or very few people, people are there. Cause they love Rihanna or the Eagles. Like they're there. Cause it's this big, you're right. Corporate event. 
It's a big spectacle. And, yeah, it, it, it's not about what's happening. And that, that's a, such a rare thing. You don't perform a concert where people aren't there to see you. It's like, it's actually probably very similar to performing at like a wedding where like you're being paid a ton of money, but the people at the wedding may or may not know your music that well. It's not a concert, it's a performance and it's kind of a different thing. Yeah, well, I look forward to next week when we will review the game. Uh, I'll give an update on how the defense the Eagles did, my, my, re- my running game stuff. I'll give an update on my snacks. We will talk about the commercials and we'll talk about the halftime show. Yeah, you know, thank goodness that something happened in the NFL coaching wise because like I, I was like, how am I going to talk for an hour about the Super Bowl? I just don't like. I, I, well, no, no, next week for sure after the game, but going into the game, like I hate preview content. I really like don't. I'm like, okay, it's going to be fun. Okay, we'll see what happens. I I love to talk about what happened. I hate to talk about what's going to happen because how can you know? I, I just don't. I don't know what to expect. I, I expect fun and interesting, and we'll talk about it. But I love talking about what. You, what has happened rather than what's going to happen, if that makes sense. So just to be clear, as a fan of football and a fan of you as a sports commentator, we want to know what you think is going to happen. You may not like preview nonsense, but I love <laughs> preview nonsense because I want to know what you think and why you think it. That's the joy of it. That's the fun. It, it, it's like a, tra- a good trailer for a movie you want to see. It wets your whistle and gets you ready. Well, what's funny is... <laughs> I'm the same way. I listen to video game podcasts and I, I love when they talk about what they expect from like the Xbox showcase. Like I'm not even going to watch the Xbox showcase. I just can't wait to like hear. Cause I love hearing what, ha- hearing what happened during the game, but I also look forward to the episodes where they talk about what they expect to happen. So there is value in that stuff. Cause I, I know as a consumer of podcasts, I love when that happens. I'm just, I don't feel very good at it yet. Like, I don't know. I'm like, ah, I don't know. It's going to be, we'll see. Like I, I think, <laughs> I love talking about the storylines, but it's hard for me to – people always ask me to make predictions, and it feels so impossible. I just don't so, – I feel so like here's I'm just rolling a, here's the dice old, and guessing. Here's an old school – you've heard of Benjamin Franklin's, you know, the pluses and minuses, you know, on one side and another, his decision-making tree. You ever heard of that? No. You write down all the pros, and then, okay, you, make, sure. and yeah, then yeah. you write down all the cons. That was thinking he came up with. So here's yeah. an old school way to pick games who's going to win. Okay. I'll walk you through it. Um, who has the better quarterback? Kansas City. Who has a better coach? Oh, it's it's really close, but it's still Kansas City. So then normal normally you'd say, well, then they're gonna win. But then I would ask who's got a better offensive line? Who's got a better front seven? Like there are there are more questions, but So who does have a better offensive line? I Philly. I think Philly's better at everything other than coaching quarterback, which was why it's interesting. And it's it's actually I think a lot closer than people realize between Sirianni and Andy Reid, although Andy Reid is a better coach. So you but think, I think Sirianni's better than people realize, and so then the gap between Mahomes and Jalen Hurts is massive. So you think Eagles have a better offensive line? Correct. Who has a better defensive line? Philly. Okay. And um, uh, who has... I think uh, literally every position head-to-toe is better in Philly other than coach and quarterback. Okay. All right. Well, and that's, that's why it's fun, because we're going to get to test, like, what really matters? You know, is it, do you build this incredible football team or do you get this incredibly dynamic coach with the best quarterback in the NFL? Like that's, you know, I, Casey's a really good football team, but they're there because of Mahomes and Andy Reid. So one more question. Oh, go ahead. Well, I just, it's just a, 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 such a fun thought experiment to see like, is it the team or is it the coach and the quarterback? What's more valuable? And we'll find out. And I think it's actually going to end up 
what we're going to find is it's actually surprisingly close how competitive Philly and Kansas City ends up being. So your best guess, how's Travis Kelsey going to do? Is he going to catch a lot of balls or is the Eagles defense going to shut him down? Oh, man. I think it really all depends on the game plan. You know, I, I, I would I can't imagine a world where you don't double team him and really try to shut him down. But um, it's not about personnel as much as it is the Jonathan Gannon's game plan to guard Travis Kelsey. I, if I lose the Super Bowl, but I shut down Travis Kelsey, I can live with that. What I, I, I said this when the Bengals played Kansas City, too. It's like I would rather die than allow Travis Kelsey to have three touchdowns and 12 catches for 147 yards like that. If I lose the Super Bowl because I didn't double team Travis Kelsey and shut him down, that's that's never going to like what would Bill Belichick do against Pat, against Kansas City and say, we're going to take away the best thing they do, which is Travis Kelsey. Make someone else beat me. That's literally every time you play Bill Belichick, his philosophy is let's take away their best thing. I would do everything I can to stop Travis Kelsey and make other people beat me. And if I lose that way, I, I can li- I can sleep at night knowing at least I stop what they do best. Who make did, them who uncomfortable. Did, who did they play? Who did the Chiefs play before they played the Bengals? Uh, the Jaguars. And yeah. And how, what was Kelsey's stats again? It was like, it was something like 12 catches for 147 yards and two touchdowns. It was like insanity. He, was, he like destroyed was 14 them. catches for 98 yards, but it was, it was, it was so, crazy. It was so much and so recent that I think that sticks in the head of the defensive coordinators coming, you know, the next few games. When I say this, like, again, when you, when the season is over in like three days and you're laying in bed for the whole off season, you know, March, April, May, you're going to think about this game, win or lose. You're going to look back. And if you lose the game, I would lose so much sleep at night if I didn't shut down Travis Kelsey. Like I, I'd be like, man, we should have had a different game plan. I, I'd be like in April laying in bed, just having nightmares about Travis Kelsey going like we, we just should have approach this differently where if you if you lose the super bowl but you shut down travis kelsey i'm sleeping way better at night knowing i did everything i could they found another way but you just got to take away the obvious thing which is travis kelsey that like really really is important to me uh if i was game planning in this one okay so we'll watch and we'll see how they do taking uh taking the ball away from travis kelsey well i think you hit on something too that philly's run game really matters and the way that philadelphia could win by a lot is just by Dominant. I mean, it's what they've done all through the playoffs against the Giants, against the 49ers, is they just destroy people up front. And even like we saw the 49ers defensive line, which is maybe, if not the best, they're top three in the NFL between Philly, Dallas, and the 49ers, like one of the best front sevens in the NFL. And the Eagles offensive line absolutely dominated them. And that doesn't give me a lot of hope for Kansas City, who I don't think has nearly as good a defensive line as the 49ers do and the 49ers defensive line got dominated. So I know football doesn't quite work that way. Like it's not always on paper. These people are better than these people, but really does scare me that the Eagles could just run away from it. like Jalen hurts. Hasn't had to do very much during this playoff run because he's not, it's just, they're dominating up front so easily that he just has to execute and do the little things. Right. Um, and I, I wonder if that'll continue. Like does Jalen hurts get asked to do something is there going to be a couple throws in this game where Jalen Hurts has to beat man coverage uh, with a big time throw it on the sideline? Can he make like three big time throws to win the Super Bowl? That's really the question. I think that's an interesting angle is can Jalen Hurts make three big time throws against tight coverage, whether it's man coverage or beating a, a really tight zone down a whole shot on the sideline or something 
can Jalen Hurts make three really big time throws that lead to them winning the Super Bowl? I think it's all he's got to do, but I don't know if he can even make those three. That's what's really interesting about this game. Well, and I think that the offensive coordinator for the Eagles is able to put together really good plays that facilitate running. They do stunts. They do various things that really augment the running game. I think it's going to be interesting how the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs is able to know that's coming and combat that. I think it's going to be fascinating. Okay, go ahead. Well, I got one more thing. You know, is a trick play going to play any kind of role in this game? Philly has done this before with trick plays. That's how they, you know, the Philly special with Nick Foles. Um but I think given that Philly is so, how, how do you even say this, straightforward sometimes, like we're just going to pound the rock and run the football, could Philly do something outside of their expectations and put a twist on something they do normally? And then Kansas City is known for like doing, they have like a play where they did a merry-go-round earlier this year where they literally like did ring around the rosy, then lined up and snapped a play. And you're like, what the, what in the world but was they that? Were so, up, but they were up by a lot of points when totally. they did that. Totally, but it would not shock me if Kansas City pulled something crazy out of their their bag of tricks too. So, I you know I would say the offensive line for Philly matters. Can Jalen Hurts make three or four big throws to win the game? Um, and then does a trick play for either side end up playing a big role or not? Like maybe a trick play goes really badly, and Philly gets too cute and they give up a touchdown. Like they try something crazy, they fumble. Casey runs over a touchdown like that. The, the margins are going to be so thin early on in this game that going outside of what you do normally could actually really hurt you or help you. It's interesting to me, like, will a trick play play some kind of role in this game? I think for Philly to do a trick play is a bad idea because the Chiefs defense is better prepared for trick plays because it's what their team does. When your team does, and I know that's the offense who does the trick plays, not the defense, but when your team does trick plays, you're more, you're less likely to be caught off guard by them. You'll almost expect it. It's kind of part of your journey. Trick plays have been part of the team's journey. So I, yeah. I don't think I would not try to trick play against them uh, if I was Philly. Yeah, I think Philly's just got to pound the rock and do what they do best. I mean, they're they're so good at it. Oh, I'm excited for the Super Bowl, man. It's going to be so fun. And uh, I can't wait to talk about it next week. And to break it down, that's all I got. That's all you got, right, Dad? That's it. Fly, you go fly. Bam, we are done.